This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler and uh, one of our new team members, Stephen Fung. We are actually broadcasting uh, from Brooklyn, New York. Big uh, Samsung event down here. We'll be talking uh, a bit about that on today's program, about the uh, new Samsung devices uh, that uh, they have announced. Everything from the new Samsung Note uh, 10. They've got a new laptop, they've got a new tablet, and a new smartwatch as well. So some really cool features, 3D scanner built into the phone, augmented reality, it's some really uh, cutting edge uh, tech. Also be uh, updating my MacBook story. I uh, had that uh, MacBook stolen a couple of years ago, I talked about it on last week's program. Well, uh, I've got an update. Uh, let's talk about some of the tech news uh, happening right now. So over the past few months, we've seen all the major voice assistants uh, in the news. It was revealed, I think about a month ago or two months ago, that Amazon uh, had uh, people listening to uh, Alexa recordings to improve the quality. Then it was revealed that uh, Google did the same thing. Oh, and then Siri. <laughs> Apple had some contractors listening in. And now it's Microsoft. Microsoft, Skype. 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 Yes, Whoa. a lot of people use Skype. So why are they listening on Skype calls? Well, it's the whole, the same reason. It's the quality assurance type thing. This call may be recorded for quality assurance. Where does it say that? In the- it doesn't. This is the thing. The, the Skype FAQ and the Microsoft privacy poly- policy does not warn that humans may be listening in. So that's kind of a big deal. Well, I mean, the whole, a lot of these things are due to the translation, which is what these contractors mm. are. They're translators, right? So they are the ones that are ensuring that the... Oh, the translation part of The Skype. translation piece okay. has, has properly been translated for a specific dialect or localization. And that makes perfect sense. So some people are up in arms about this, that these guys are listening in on these voice recordings. Do you have a problem with it? I do not. You, Stephen? Not particularly. You're you're not saying anything really incriminating? No. When you're saying saying Alexa commands or or on Skype? Where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? That's about it. Yeah. You know. Set a timer for five minutes, Google. Yeah, that's going to be so useful to anybody (laughs) that I said that. (laughs) Yeah, I I get it. They can record this show. No, I get it because people are concerned that. Everything is listening to them now. And like, I get is. that all the time. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't want to Google Home in my house or an Amazon Alexa device because they're always listening. And the first thing I say is, what kind of phone you got? Do you have a smartphone? It's listening all the time. Yeah. Well, and, and we've had this topic discussed quite a bit about the fact that if you mention a certain brand name, all of a sudden you're going to be advertised because all your devices are listening to you. We're going to cover that on a future show. Mm. I think it's a load of bunk. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but uh, it's people, something that people, we get asked about all the time. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? We're actually going to test this. Yes. Uh, coming up in the next uh, couple weeks here uh, and see if that truly is the case. A lot of people think it is. I don't think it is, but we're going to do a, our own little Get Connected study on it. Uh, also in the news, Hyundai. Uh, they've got a hybrid Sonata. And uh, they will have an option for a solar panel roof. That's, they say that can get you an extra 13 kilometers, 1,300 kilometers a year of battery. 1,300 sounds like a lot, but it's not. How much does the option cost? Well, that's, yeah, I haven't got that. They haven't really <laughs> said. I mean, if it's... Like, like hybrid, hybrids, I mean, their batteries are smaller, right? Because yes. they have gas and, and batteries. So, yeah. um, sure, the solar power... Roof is going to charge that a bit better. Yeah. But 1,300 kilometers is not a lot. No. 
It just depends on the cost. I mean, what are you paying to get the roof? If it's not going to impact the price of the vehicle drastically, might as well just get it thrown in, right? It's one of those things that's nice to have, and if you're not paying for it, even nicer. No, I love the idea, yeah. but I just don't think it's there yet. I look at, I have my Tesla now, and I get roughly about 385 kilometers a charge. Yeah. And so that lasts me roughly four or five days of travel. So times that by three, roughly, that's like <laughs> three weeks. Yeah. So it's not really even a blip for me. Yeah. yeah. If, you know, I Tesla think, were to put solar power yeah. roofs on their cars. And I think, you know, Elon Musk is smart enough to know it has to have some meaningful impact. Like for the, like that must add extra weight to be on your roof of your car. Well, is it, is it in replacing like a sunroof or like a, like a moonroof or something like that? Like, yeah. well, it's covering the whole roof from right. what I've seen. So it may not even be desirable from an aesthetic perspective. Mm hmm. Well, we'll have to check that out. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will be telling you all about the latest from Samsung this week. Some really cool stuff. Stay tuned. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo back here in studio. I've got uh, John Beeler and our newest team member, Stephen Fung. He's uh, first week in. And uh, first day, we dragged him down to New York to go to the big Samsung Unpacked event. Samsung announced a number of new uh, gadgets and smartphones uh, this week. Uh, the big one would be the Samsung Galaxy Note 10. They also announced a new tablet, new watch, and a new laptop. So lots to talk about here. Let's uh, talk first about the, the new Note 10. They've got two models. They've got the Note 10, the Note 10 Plus. They all come in twos now. Yes. They all are... The regular size and plus size. The regular size, 6.3 inches, so big. The plus size, 6.8 inches. And, you know, you had a chance to hold it in your hand, Stephen. Didn't feel that big. It didn't at all. In fact, Samsung did say in the keynote that they did their very best to actually narrow the, the uh, width of the phone so that they get the maximum amount of screen size as well as a nice feel in your hand. So let's talk about the new features. And, you know, this is just kind of getting interesting for me for smartphones. Like, there isn't, like, any new revolutionary things happening there. It just seems to be kind of iterations. But there were some interesting ones uh, in this particular case. The big thing that sets the Note uh, smartphone apart from all the other ones on the market is it's got a little stylus. They call it their S Pen. And so they've improved it uh, this time. Uh, you can now actually use it to uh, turn things on and off uh, on the actual smartphone, especially in camera mode. So it's got uh, extra accelerometers built into it. So it knows where it is in its space. It, it's kind of like a Harry Potter wand. <laughs> it is. It, it's kind of weird. So uh, you can go into the camera mode. Uh, you can use it as a remote control for the shutter, which you could do with the previous model. But now it goes a step further. You can actually, through different hand gestures, use it to uh, swipe between the different options, like going from photo mode to video mode, uh, etc., uh, from switching to the front to the back camera, and even using it uh, to zoom in and out, which was kind of interesting. So it took a little practice, but I, I got the hang of it pretty quickly. Would I use something like that? Probably not, but if you're, I guess, any type of creator or, you know, do a lot of photos or selfies and, you know, videos, maybe that would be for you. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key point is 
obviously if you're just holding the phone, you're going to use your finger to do the zooming and all that kind of stuff. But it is nice to have that ability if you need to set up a shot. You can just sort of set it on a tripod or lean it up against something and control it that way. But again, yeah, an iteration. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. So another big uh, thing is with the 10 Plus model, it also has two extra depth sensor cameras. Mm-hmm. Call them time of flight cameras. So this kind of gives the phone a better indication of where things are in the space that it's, uh, you know, photographing. So because of this, it uh, works really well for augmented reality. So you can actually use the phone as a 3D scanner. And I know you're a big 3D printing nut, John. This appealed to you. I could see your eyes light up. Yeah, yeah, no, this was a huge, huge thing because uh, when Apple came out with the iPhone 10. It had the the face ID scanner, and that everyone thought, oh, that'd be really cool. You can create 3D models, but it was kind of lackluster. It was also the front-facing camera as mm. well, so not as useful for being able to frame your shot or figure out what you're scanning. Samsung has it on the back, and they've built, built in some really great software to actually uh, create the scan. So you can put something on a table, you can scan a friend's face, whatever, and it'll actually create the 3D printable file. So if you have a 3D printer, you can actually take that file and print it. But what I thought was really kind of interesting, again, not quite sure the application, but it's a neat use of the technology. And this is something that a lot of people have tried to do with 3D scans for a while, is take that scan of, say, Mike's head or a teddy bear or whatever, and being able to rig it, as they call it in the industry, so that you can actually move it around and do things and animate it. And so that was a really interesting live demo that they gave where they showed uh, basically a teddy bear being scanned, and it became like this... Uh, animated character. character. Yeah. yeah. And so they then had a, a live person uh, dance around and the little teddy bear that they basically scanned in uh, and they rigged, as you yeah. said, was dancing along with it. And they even pointed that uh, the camera afterwards uh, to a video of someone doing some really complex dance moves and the teddy bear was doing those same moves, which was pretty cool. Pretty slick teddy bear. Yeah, and I think that uh, in terms of creating new things, uh, we have filters. We have filters in Snapchat and everything like that. That was kind of the first step towards you know, something new, but this takes it to a whole new level. In fact, uh, the demonstration was actually a bunch of TikTok moves, which is one of the social media that younger folks use. And I can see that there could be a lot of different uh, creations coming from that platform that we may not even thought of yet. And we may never see because we don't want to yeah. miss TikTok. Well, I'm not 12, yes. I'm, okay, but I'm interested in how well the software works because I've seen this. Huawei had this last year uh, where you could yeah. scan in a 3D object with their phone and then animate it. Exact yeah. same thing. So Samsung's basically copied that feature. Uh, but we haven't really seen a good working version of software yet that really takes advantage of it. Huawei, I think, you know, did an okay job with it, but I haven't seen like robust software to and, and fully the, do it. And what we saw today, at least to me, seemed robust. We didn't get a chance to try it ourselves, the 3D scanning piece. Um, so I'm looking forward to having that in the in the office to play with to try out. The uh, 10 Plus model will be available uh, soon here in Canada. I think is that August 23rd, I believe. That's right. Yeah, August uh, 23rd. Two models. So they've got the 10, the 10 Plus. The both models available in regular LTE network, yeah, and the the larger one will also have a 5G version as well. Which there's no real 5G coverage yet in no. in most cities. It's coming. We'll start seeing it roll out over the next uh, couple of years. So you got a question. You know, do you want to pay the extra few hundred dollars for the 5G version to future proof yourself? But 
you know, will you still have that same phone? Like if you're one of these people that buy these bleeding edge phones, like a, a Note 10 Plus, are you going to have that phone in two years when 5G is a little more ubiquitous? I'm also wondering too, when 5G is more available, at least in Canada, all of the providers are going to have some kind of deal to upgrade your phone to yeah. 5G so they can really take advantage of that network. You would think. Yeah. Uh, any other features of the 10, the Note 10 that you guys thought were standout? I mean, was this like lighting the world on fire? No, I think it's, it's definitely an evolution. I think we've gotten to the point where smartphones are so fast that, you know, you don't, how much faster does Instagram have to open for you, right? Uh, we're really looking, looking at some new things that, that the phone can do, like the S Pen being more of an evolutionary step, like the AR, like the 3D printing, which is a, a great nod towards that medium because now other people will be able to experience it and maybe we'll see more mainstream adoption, but no. The one thing I did, I think I did pick up today that was new, is their Dex interface, mm. Dex. Yeah, this is hard to explain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it allows you to plug your phone into your TV or a monitor, a monitor yeah. and use it like a computer. But now you can actually plug it directly into a Windows or a Mac PC or laptop. And so you'd have your is an Android interface. Yeah, you basically yeah. have an app. So if you, it takes over the screen. Yes. Kind of. Well, it's a windowed yeah. screen. So you can actually use your existing laptop or computer's keyboard and mouse or trackpad on this device, which is kind of cool, especially if you're using, like, you know, if, if you have to do, like, social media posts or something mm -hmm. like that, you can only do it in the app on a phone. This is one way around that limitation, right? And it's a very comfortable way of doing it. And it's built in, which is kind of cool. Is it? Uh, the guy sitting beside me is like, I, I can already do all of that stuff on my laptop. I don't need to have my phone plugged into my laptop. It depends if there's a very specific app that you want to use that's only available on Android, for example. And you know, if you have a a, a Mac piece um, like a Mac MacBook, you wouldn't be able to install that easily. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it, it's a nice feature. If you it's, have a MacBook, though, are you going to have a Samsung phone? Probably not. Well, Some people so, do. Yeah, right? Mix match. Eight people. <laughs> Overall, I feel it's a beautiful phone. Like it's got the specs, uh, the speed on it is amazing. The cameras are amazing, especially with the 10 Plus model. You get the enhanced augmented reality and 3D scanning. Yeah, we talked about that on the on the show floor. I don't think if you're going to get this kind of phone, go for the Plus. Yes, yeah, 100 percent. Because you get so much more with it. Although, arguably, as we've just described, maybe those other features aren't as useful. So they also announced some other stuff. They uh, have a new watch, the Galaxy mm -hmm. Fit 2. Active. And this is the... F it's Galaxy Fit 2, right? Uh, Active 2. Active 2. Yeah. I keep getting fit in there. It, They've got I, so many watches. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So many names. Galaxy Active 2. Uh, beautiful watch, though. Yeah. This is one of the few Android watches. It's not even, Sorry, not even Android or non-Apple watch that I thought, yeah, this is pretty cool. It's yeah. round. Mm -hmm. uh, beautiful screen. Two sizes, it, a small looks, and a large. It looks... Like a traditional watch. Like yes. It's, it's a stunning... So amazing about it, though, is the, the bezel. So in the past, Samsung's had like a mechanical bezel you could twist mm. to have different functions on the watch. This has got a digital bezel. So you basically just run your finger around the outside of the screen, and you can go through all the different modes on it. Yeah. So I think, you know, this is their attempt to give Apple a run for their money because they've built in all sorts of uh, extra health features. Oh, yeah. uh, it automatically tracks all your different types of exercise. It's got the heart rate monitor, but also has the EKG capability yeah. as well yeah. to take an electrocardiogram. And I think one of the slides said that it could even measure your stride or sense other anomalies in your health that we haven't even thought of yet. 
Yeah, I can't wear that because they would just tell me to go to the hospital. <laughs> go home now. like you're drunk. <laughs> go, home, go home, you're drunk. Uh, let's talk quickly about the other big one that you really took a shine to. Uh, well, Stephen as well. Um, the, they have a new uh, book. At, what, what was it called? Galaxy Book S. Yes. Uh, so it's kind of cool. It's super thin. I think it's lighter than a MacBook Air yeah. uh, or MacBook or even a Surface, Microsoft Surface. Um, it feels like a tablet with a keyboard. Yes. Like, yeah. That's how thin and... 13-inch and- touchscreen, beautiful screen, super thin, uh, but not... It runs Windows 10, yeah. Yeah. but not super high-powered processor. And it's running a Qualcomm processor. It's a yes. Snapdragon. Yeah. Um, but it has 21 hours of battery life playing back video. The battery life is amazing. Think about that for a second. Most Chromebooks boast about 10 hours. Yeah. This is double. Yes. And it's running Windows. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And... I remember my old laptop would maybe get an hour. Yeah. I can't even imagine 21 hours. The other crazy thing, though, too, is this also is LTE uh, enabled. So you yes. can actually get a data plan for it. And you can be completely mobile on the go. I mean, you are looking at basically slightly comparable... Uh, processing speed to what's actually probably in the note um, and so but it's a really nice little form factor um, and uh, the battery life is just crazy that's just phenomenal yeah we have a lot more to talk about on today's program uh, we've got our friend Brian Jackson coming back on uh, on the line he's going to be talking about Disney monitoring studio audiences faces to see the reactions to movies to make their movies better Will that take the magic away? Well, we'll find out. And an update on my MacBook story. Remember last week I uh, talked about how my MacBook was stolen in Africa two years ago, and somehow, by the grace of God, I fandangled it back from someone who found it, in quotation marks, uh, (laughs) in Africa. I finally got it back, but I couldn't get into it. I'll tell you what happened next. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We still have a lot to talk about on the program. Uh, next segment uh, after this, uh, we'll be chatting about how Disney has got uh, test studios where they actually have cameras monitoring the facial expressions and emotions of the moviegoers to see how well that movie is, I guess, testing with them. Is that going to kill the magic? We'll find out. we got Brian Jackson on the line to talk about that. But right now, I want to talk about my ongoing MacBook saga. Last week, I uh, told the story of how my MacBook was stolen when I visited uh, Africa, Nairobi, Kenya, on a trip two years ago. I had checked my MacBook in my luggage, which was stupid. My luggage got uh, delayed or missing for three days. When I got it, it was gone. Gone, gone, gone. Anyway, two years later, several months ago, some dude randomly emails me from Uganda he has found the MacBook, and on the lock screen, because you can lock your MacBook if it gets lost or stolen, it's got my information, my email, and uh, and reward if found and returned. Anyway, after four months of going back and forth with this, this guy, he finally shipped it back to me. And I got it in the office, and I was so excited. I you know, It was in half-decent condition, good condition. Yeah, good condition for sure. And... I booted it up, and I could not unlock it to save my life. It was You think this so would be easy because you locked it yourself. Uh, yeah, so I went into iCloud, and in there you can go see all the devices you have hooked up on your Apple ID. There it was, but the little unlock button was grayed out, would not let me do it. 
So when I booted up the laptop, it basically said, wrong password, try again at 60 minutes. When 60 minutes was up, it would just instantly say, wrong password. Yeah, you didn't even have a, a no. field to enter. So I, f- I went to the Apple store, <laughs> and the dude said, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you better phone Apple support, because they've got like iCloud experts that can figure this out. So I phoned them, and you know, God bless them. They tried really hard, this guy on the line, but it just couldn't make it happen. And then finally at the end of the call, like I think about 35 minutes in, he finally says to me, yeah, you know, once it does come up where you can enter your password in, uh, it's that, that uh, lock screen password you entered when you locked your Mac. And I'm like, what password? Because it was two years ago. I don't remember putting a password in to lock it. And then I thought, I'm going to look in the notes on my iPhone. So I, I pulled up the notes app on my iPhone. And the first note, no word, no, no line. The only note? It said, lost MacBook code. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. So I think, Hallelujah. The problem is, so I had the password, but not, but I had nowhere to enter it. It would not let me enter a password anywhere. Yeah. And they don't document this anywhere on their website or anything like like this. Oh, I Google. Oh, God. I spent hours Googling this. Yeah, and I did, too. And all, and these, all these weird tricks and hacks. And, and finally, you know, there was an option, internet recovery mode. So you boot up the MacBook, and you hold down the command key and the R key, and a little, dial- a little box comes up where you can enter a code. So I did. I entered that MacBook code, nothing. But I kept doing it. I kept doing it because, God willing, <laughs> I had a code and I, you know, it took it, but then it would just boot to that screen again saying wrong password. Try right. again in 60 yeah. minutes. Finally, after about attempt 28, suddenly the thing, the whole screen changed. A little earth came up and connecting to the internet. And it asked me for the Wi Fi password. Which is one thing I thought that it was maybe having a problem with before is because your credentials would have changed or yes. you know, using a different uh, wireless uh, access point or something like that. We even tried Ethernet in yes. the office, yep. and that didn't even work. So finally that happened. I was like, you know, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I rebooted, and but the same thing. Yeah, It, it just kept going back to that stupid screen, wrong password. And I was like, I was, I was going insane, like totally insane. Uh, so I finally, finally, after attempt... 39 of this thing or even more so 39 hours <laughs> oh sweet Jesus yeah, sweet Jesus and so finally the little six boxes come up where I could enter it and I heard angels singing and I thought it's go time do not screw this up and so I checked the password like 18 times and bam entered it and I got to the the Mac login screen and I was just Oh my God, I was overjoyed. I was just like dancing in my kitchen and my family thought, oh my God, you know, what's wrong with dad? And so like I'm finally, so I get to the MacBook login screen and I enter my password because I've used the same password. Did not work. Did not work. How many times have we said not to use the same password? (laughs) I know because I'm an idiot. On this show. Yeah. And I I entered in. No, does not work. And I'm like going, are you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? However, the princess is in another castle. The, yes, it's like a bad Mario game. Anyway, there's a little question mark where you can get a hint. And I'm like, okay, good. I hit it, and it's like, it just says it's a number. I'm like, I never, I would never ever use a number to log into my Mac or any PC. A number. And I'm just like, oh my God. Oh my God. 
swear words. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, Google. Google's your friend. And there is an easy way to reset your password through iCloud. So I did. I followed the directions. And hallelujah, it worked. It worked. I was able to reset my password. And I got in. Many, many, many hours later, but I got my MacBook back. Now I have to send this guy a couple hundred dollars. Yes, you should. Yes. Or send him something. You, you never did describe what currency it might be in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send him $200 Canadian. Okay. But you know what's worth it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, because yeah. that MacBook was worth a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, it's a couple years old now, but still, it's like it's brilliant. It's still good for lots of uses. Yes. So... If you ever get your MacBook stolen... Oh, that was the other thing. That MacBook was brand new when you got it stolen, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I was so, <laughs> so mad. I was so mad. But anyway, I'm happy now. Yes. Okay. Let's move on to better topics. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about Disney looking in on its audiences with their permission to check out their emotions as they're watching their movies to see how they're feeling in certain scenes. And what that means for movie making going forward. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, Mike Eggerbo here in studio. Let's talk about uh, artificial intelligence and Disney together at last. On the line, we've got our good friend Brian Jackson, uh, who is now with a company called. Infotech. Uh, they are a, uh, I guess, a research group uh, that uh, is one of the world's fastest growing information technology research and advisory companies. They're based in Toronto. They serve more than 30,000 members around the world. Thanks for joining us again, Brian. It's great to be back. Thanks a lot. We missed you. So, Brian, uh, let's talk Disney. And uh, I think this was uh, something that we discussed uh, a little while back uh, when uh, Disney came out with Star Wars The Force Awakens. They actually put cameras in uh, some of their test uh, studio audiences to see the reactions of their faces. Uh, Explain to our listeners what that's all about and where it's all going. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to learn that Disney is so interested in their audience reactions to their films that they're actually going to this degree, you know, outfitting a theater with cameras and using artificial intelligence to study the way that people's faces move so they could try and predict how people would react to certain scenes in the movie. Now, I should say that this isn't just at your average theater, right? So if you buy tickets to some future Star Wars movie and you go to watch it, uh, you can rest assured that Disney is not ha- does not have a camera pointed at your face to monitor your, mo- your emotional reaction. But the way they did this is they outfitted a special theater and the people knew about it uh, when they were going in to watch Star Wars, The Force Awakens in this case. And uh, of course the cameras are infrared, right? Because it's dark in the theater. So they had to use infrared cameras And what's cool about this artificial intelligence approach is it was able to learn what facial recognitions, what facial expressions are, right? So the researchers didn't have to teach it what a smile or what a laugh is. It learned on its own by uh, examining the patterns in the theater and then predicting what those expressions would be in reaction to different scenes in the film. So it learns the concept of a smile on its own to learn the concept of a laugh on its own. And in fact, if you go and read the research report, 
um, it, you can find this really creepy graph where it's charted out all of the heads of facial expressions on this XY graph of smile to neutral to laugh. And it just looks really weird when you look at it that way. <laughs> but uh, what, they, what the really interesting part of this is, is Disney uh, researchers were able to predict what, how people would react to the movie just after a few minutes of watching their face. So imagine, you know, you collect this data on how your face is moving for the, like the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then from, from, from that point on, it could predict what your face would look like for the rest of the film. It's kind of creepy, Brian, isn't it? It is sort of creepy. Actually, it's super creepy because <laughs> you, uh, you just wonder if we're actually, do we actually have free will or are we just sort of cybernetic creatures waiting or Disney to press our emotional buttons and then we react, right? If a machine learning algorithm can be this accurate. I mean, are but they Disney's gonna... not stopping at, at theaters either. Great. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's follow that, uh, that breadcrumb trail there. Where are they going with this? So of course, Disney operates theme parks and they're really well known for the level of advanced IT that's deployed in their theme parks. Um, <clears throat> a pretty famous project and perhaps, uh, some of your listeners who have been to Disney theme parks in recent years will have the experience of wearing the magic band. And it really just makes everything about the visitor uh, experience more seamless, right? It knows who you are based on this wristband that you wear the entire time you're at the Disney location. You pay for things on it. You swipe your way on to rides. Uh, you go to restaurants with it. It's great. It just makes your whole experience at Disney totally seamless. Uh, because it's got all of your identity and financial information right strapped onto your wrist. So it makes it easy. And because they can track your identity, they're interested in customizing the experience as much as possible while you're at the park. So they have this patent that would use this emotional recognition technology uh, on a theme park ride. So it would have a camera installed, say, on a little car that you would get into for that would take you through a track of uh, a d- typical Disney experience, whether you're going through Wonderland or, um, you know, Peter Pan's Neverland, perhaps, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, it could watch your face and it could see like, oh, is this person a little bit too scared? Maybe we should slow down this ride. Or, in fact, is this person too young? to experience uh, some sort of scary content that we have along the way. Maybe the pirate won't jump out at you right as you turn that corner if this person doesn't look like they're having a good time. Perhaps they're too stressed. But if you're laughing away and you're smiling and everything is going great, then you can amp up the ride, make it faster, you know, make it more scary and just let the person have a total blast. Do you think this is going to work, though? I mean, are they trying to make it... uh... I don't know what it is. It feels almost impersonal. Like they're they're just going to be using artificial intelligence to basically guide how they make theme parks or how they make movies. Like they're taking the human equation out of it. I feel. Yeah, I mean, you could say that it's taking the human equation out of it because um, it, they're not talking to people about it. But in another way, it's just turning the in the different inputs, like the same information they were trying to collect before by asking people about their experience on the ride, is getting it in a new and perhaps even a more accurate way by quantifying it. Because if you can predict what a person is going 
to do when they go on a ride and how they'll react when they're on the next ride. Um, that could really customize your experience in a way that makes it feel really personal to you. And when you go through a whole theme park and everything is just the right level to customize it to the, the amount of thrill that you want to achieve at that theme park, I think you would leave feeling even more delighted than uh, otherwise. So it seems a little bit cold when you bring it down to the level of the technology and what it's doing through these neural nets and learning about people through infrared cameras and breaking down human expressions into mathematical factorial predictions. But when you bring it back up to the abstract human experience, I think it works. It still bums me out. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you been to Disney World lately? No, uh, not for a few years, but I, I guess I'll be wearing bands and right. tracking chips and <laughs> they'll be looking at my face yeah. the whole time now. <laughs> We're talking with yeah, Brian. Well, the next time you go, you can think about how technology is making your experience better or worse. Well, we'll find out. We're talking uh, with our good friend Brian Jackson. He's with Infotech. They're a, uh, a leading research group uh, that uh, researches uh, future trends. Thanks for joining us today, Brian. Thanks for having me, Mike. When we come back, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. You are back with Get Connected. It's that time where we give you our skill of the week. This is for Amazon Echo. Speaker owners or, or any device that has Alexa built into it. John, what's new this week? So this isn't a skill. This is actually a feature that Amazon has recently added to Alexa. Um, whenever you get Alexa to read back something to you, it's always, at least to me, it seems it's too slow. It's like, hurry up. Tell me what I need to know faster. Well, now you can. So you can actually say, Alexa, speak faster and she will talk faster. Or you can say Alexa speaks slower, depending on your needs. So she actually has six different levels of speed that you can actually uh, invoke. And two of them are slower, four of them are faster. Four levels of fast, two levels of slow. So you just keep stacking them, saying, Alexa, speak faster. Alexa, really, speak is that, faster. It, really, is this a problem? Yeah, I think so. I, I like... Okay, hurry up. Tell me about my notifications or my packages, that kind of thing. <laughs> Happen faster. Now, they do have brief mode, which now, so it's something they released, I think, late last year or something like that, where instead of saying, having Alexa say something, you just get a, like a little tone at the end of the thing, just to acknowledge that, yes, we've done it, it's done, complete, you're good, which was great. But sometimes, especially for notifications and... Um, uh, like the weather, that kind of thing. Snap, you know, a little snappier. Now you can do that. Well, that's all the time we have left for Get Connected. Don't forget to check out the app show every Sunday here on Global News Radio, CKW 980. Also, our podcasts on the Apple Podcast uh, app, Google, uh, Google Play, and also Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts, uh, app show and Get Connected. You're listening to Get Connected. It's Mike, John, and Stephen logging off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.